Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Monday edition of the program. So glad to have you with us today as we kick off another week. And we're just entering a great time of year and a great week. Just for one moment, let's think about this. It's Monday. Today, Indiana men's basketball will hold its media day this afternoon. So we'll get a chance to hear from Mike Woodson and basically the entire IU roster to really get you ready for the season. Lots of questions will be asked. Uh, The next few days will be covered up with stories and interviews, and we'll be talking about Media Day for the rest of the week. Then this weekend, a huge weekend for IU Sports, Hoosier Hysteria in the afternoon. Uh, Crowd fans expected to come out in droves for this IU team to, I guess, kind of restart things after the pandemic or as the pandemic, we hope, winding down. Uh, Fans will be in Assembly Hall to watch the team practice and do some competitions and a scrimmage, we hope, as well. And then after Hoosier Hysteria, IU Football, who escaped over the weekend down in western Kentucky with a narrow victory. But I thought there were some positives. They go to Penn State and perhaps their toughest game of the season will test the medal for Tom Allen uh, and this football team this weekend. Huge, huge week of IU Sports Plus. You've got high school football rolling in to week seven. Uh, local players, Rondell Moore on the NFL, in the NFL action on Sunday. Not a big outing for him uh, yesterday, but he was active, got to play, had a couple catches. And then Josh Rogers pitches New Albany product uh, over in Cincinnati yesterday afternoon, gets the start, did not get the victory uh, for the Nationals. He exited the game in the fifth inning with the uh, Reds ahead 3-1. Pitched pretty good through especially four innings of the game. But overall, really good season uh, since Josh has gotten the call up from AAA Rochester and uh, excited to see him have success. Excited for Rondell, all these local guys to have success. It just brings a whole other avenue of teams to follow and things to talk about here on the program uh, each and every day. Also, on this Monday, I, I promise you that we would debut uh, a text line, you know, a, the Thornton's text line. We're excited to get more interaction from you. I know we've got lots of listeners that are with us every day, whether it's live on the radio show at 11 o'clock or whether it is on the podcast, which is available each and every afternoon on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and Basically, any place you listen to podcasts, you can find uh, us there and subscribe and listen for free. But we want to encourage you to text the program, sound off, send in your thoughts, comments, questions for who I think are the best lineup of guests when it comes to IU and local sports. We have the very top guys out there with us each and every day on the program. And it's the Thornton's text line, the number. So save this in your phone and we'll tweet it out. We'll remind you each and every day, each segment really on the show. 502-414-1450. Again, 502 502- 
414-1450. That's the Thornton text line. And don't forget, Thornton's, it's the perfect stop for all of your best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and their delicious donuts as well. Uh, the Thornton's text line debuting today here on the Hoosier Report. And I'm excited to see who our first texter is. And send your questions and comments now about IU football. What would you think about the victory on Saturday night for the Hoosiers? It was an escape. I don't know any other way to say it. Indiana was very fortunate to win that ball game. Michael Penix looked a lot better, looked a lot more efficient. Uh, not quite the Penix we remember from a year ago, but much better than what he has so far this season. I thought that was a big positive. Overall, I thought the offense for Indiana looked good. A little uh, red zone inefficiency. They were able to kick field goals, which was a great, but even Tom Allen said after the game, we kicked too many dog- doggone field goals. They seem to have some problems finishing drives into the end zone. So, uh, Indiana, we're going to find out uh, where they're at for sure next weekend when they go to Penn State. But send us your questions and comments. Uh, Zach Osterman joins us in the next segment of the Indianapolis Star. We will talk IU football with him uh, and a little IU basketball. we got to talk hoops with the Hoosier hysteria just around the corner. Also, uh, later in the program, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, and uh, also former basketball coach Jeff. He'll join the program. We always talk local sports with Chad on Mondays, and we'll get into high school football over the weekend. There were some really, really good games and a few surprising results, and we'll talk some other local sports headlines with Chad as well. So send your questions in for Chad. He'd love to hear from you as well. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Again, the, the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. And I want to go back and say one more thing about that. Uh, sign your name, nickname, first name, first name, last name, whatever you want to be called. Tell me where you're from. We'll include that when we read your question and comment on the air. Again, 502-414-1450. Let's get into our headlines, our Zaxby's headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We'll start with Josh Rogers pitching over in Cincinnati on Sunday. He didn't get the win. It wasn't his best pitching performance of the season, the handful that he's had so far, but he did pretty good through four innings. Things begin to slowly fall apart a little bit in the fifth inning for Josh Rogers. And of course, once he came out of the game, a three-run Reds lead ended up a 9-2 Reds victory. So uh, there's no question that uh, things got worse after Rogers exited the game. The neatest thing, though, and I could not make the trip yesterday. I wanted to so very badly. Uh, understand there were 300 or so fans of Josh Rogers in attendance at the game yesterday. I saw some of the Washington Nationals uh, beat writers tweet about it, comment on it, write about it after the game, how neat it was to see uh, so many supporters of, of a pitcher come uh, to watch a contest. I know there were some custom shirts made uh, with Josh's number on the back and just an outstanding crowd following another local player to uh, to reach the very top level of baseball. So pretty cool to see, and congratulations to Josh. I was looking at the calendar, the Major League calendar, the, the Nationals calendar schedule, and the rest of the season. It looks like maybe Josh will get – he should get one more start unless something changes for the Nationals and potentially two starts for the Nationals the rest of the way. But let's hope that this propels him into a 40-man roster spot at spring training. And from there, uh, with what he's been able to do this season, he definitely, I would say, has turned some heads. We'll see if he can find himself permanently on the Nationals roster 
for next season. But there is no question about it with what Josh has done uh, so far in his opportunities. Uh, he has helped himself in a very big way and uh, reinvigorated in many ways, I think, the opportunity for a Major League Baseball career. I mentioned Rondell Moore in action yesterday. He had, uh, let's see, two catches, I believe, yesterday for one yard and a carry for three yards. Arizona, a winner, 31-19 at Jacksonville. So far this season, Rondell Moore, 13 receptions on 15 targets for a total of 183 yards and one touchdown. Of course, he had that TD a week ago, his first NFL touchdown of his career. Got to talk a little high school football in this opening segment. I thought it was a terrific weekend, a terrific Friday night of high school football. First off, the weather was perfect. It was, uh, I won't say chilly, but it's leaning more toward football weather than what it has uh, so far this season. And I always enjoy these first few weeks. Of course, a month from now, it'll be cold and we'll be miserable and complaining in high school football games. But for now, these next couple weekends, as long as there's no rain, the chance to be very comfortable for fall football Friday nights. And there is nothing better as we head toward the postseason uh, for high school football. The game of the night, the game we had here on the Big X, was a new rivalry game. If you listen to this show, I've said this uh, throughout, the even going back to our preseason coverage, that I love to see the local rivals schedule each other. I love to see this Jeffersonville-Silver Creek game and Floyd Central-Silver Creek game, for that matter, be added to the schedules for each team. Let's hope we see more of this moving forward so we get back to having more rivalry games in the area. I thought Silver Creek would be a big winner over Jeff. As much as I love the idea of the game and think it could be a great contest, a great rivalry in future seasons, I thought this year the Dragons uh, were the team in this contest, but that was not the case. It was a fantastic high school football game. It kept you glued to the action if you were at the game or listening on the Big X. Uh, it went to overtime, and it was actually the Jeff quarterback, Cole Phillips, who had a two-yard touchdown run in overtime to lift Jeffersonville over the Dragons 29-23. So I said it would be a great rivalry in future seasons. Uh, I thought Silver Creek would get a win, I don't know about easily, but have you know a couple touchdown win or potentially more. And boy, was I wrong. What a finish. Jeffersonville wins, and this is a good rivalry game right out of the gate, which is so exciting to see for our area. And speaking of rivalry games, now the Red Devils, Coming off a big victory, uh, will take on their big rival, New Albany, a Hoosier Hills Conference game next Friday night. That's going to be obviously a fun one as well. Second loss of the year uh, for Silver Creek. Uh, they're continuing to have a good season, and obviously the Dragons an opportunity in the Mid-Southern Conference, and we'll see how they do in their sectional. But they've had a banner season so far, a really good season representing our area. We'll see if they can regroup next week as well. One other football score of note, uh, New Albany. We've been bragging on the Bulldogs, talking about their opportunity, maybe locally, to have some postseason success, at least in the sectional. And they took on a quality Bloomington North team who going into Friday night was number 10 in 5A football. And Bloomington North decked New Albany 69-45. It was a 14-13 Bloomington North edge at the end of the first period. And I was tracking that game from another. I thought, boy, this this is going to be the great game of the night. This is the game I should have been at. Well, 28-6, Bloomington North outscored New Albany in the second period and pretty much handled things from there to go on to win by 20-plus points. So New Albany, uh, maybe we think one of the better teams in this area, but again, against quality competition, Bloomington North, Bloomington South, Gibson Southern, 
the Bulldogs have struggled uh, this season. So we'll see how things continue as far as high school football goes. But those are a couple notes from over the weekend. Nothing better than the Jeffersonville Silver Creek contest on Friday night with the Red Devils getting a big momentum boost here as we head to the back few weeks of the season. And speaking of high school football and high school sports, soccer sectional pairings came out from Indianapolis yesterday evening. We've got some sectional or some local teams that hope to have not only success in the sectional round, but maybe make some runs into the state tournament. Providence, the boys, won a state championship a year ago. We'll see if they can make some noise again this season. Floyd Central Golf, the girls team, headed to the state tournament meet coming up later in the week. And high school football tournament pairings will be out in just a few weeks now. We will know the postseason grid as far as who's going to play who in some of our local sectionals and for our local teams as well. It's amazing that we are moving right along through the fall season and high school basketball will be here before you know it. Those are our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. We would love to hear from you. 502-414-1450. Looks like we've already got some texts coming in on the line. The Thornton's text line, that is. We'll check them out in the next segment as we talk with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Stay with us. You're listening to a Monday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, back with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line. We are asking for your thoughts on IU football, the victory over Western Kentucky this weekend, and, of course, the big game coming up. What a challenge it'll be for Indiana on the road at Penn State on Saturday. Thornton's text line number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We'd love to take your questions and comments today. With us right now is Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star to break down the IU victory over the weekend. And Zach, you wrote this in your uh, postgame story at IndyStar.com. I think it's a, a great word to use. Indiana escaped on Saturday night in Bowling Green. Obviously, they did. You know, there, there are a couple moments in that game that if they go differently, I think Indiana is in real danger of losing that game. On the other hand, I'd also say there's a couple moments if they go differently. If we're going to play that game, it has to be played both ways. Indiana outgained Western Kentucky through the air and on the ground. You know, if they turn two of those field goals into touchdowns, it's a comfortable victory. Indiana was better on third downs. Indiana was better in special teams. My point is I think you could probably make kind of an argument that the scoreline in the end flattered Western Kentucky. And while I don't think Indiana was perfect by any means, and if Indiana doesn't improve off that performance over the course of the rest of the season, then it's probably not going to be the kind of season Indiana wants. At the same time, I also don't really know what fans expected. This is, you know, I mean, this was a, this was a Super Bowl for Western Kentucky. They had nothing to lose. Uh, a big team, Big Ten team coming to their place. You know, if they lose the game, no one cares. If they win, it's obviously a huge victory. And Indiana really kind of needed to. 
Indiana needed to start somewhere. You know, it, 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 starting one and two wasn't really the crime for Indiana so much as the way that they did it. And you could you got a sense that maybe this team's you know, confidence in itself was shaken a little bit, frankly. Um, and you certainly, I think, got that sense post-game Saturday with just how how sort of good Indiana felt about itself and some of the, the individual performances it got and the way that maybe as a group that team sort of stayed together and, and picked one another up. Um, because I do, I do think there was a little bit of kind of a reset, you know, after Cincinnati, after Iowa, and sort of saying, listen, you know, this is – if this is going to happen, it's going to happen because of all of us. We, we can't we can't do this anymore. Where you know some of it works, but some of it doesn't. We're going to you know really stress certain areas of this team because we can't you know play necessarily the complementary football that we need to win the games we want to win. We're going to stop Robin Peter to play Paul, and everybody's going to kind of put a you know have a hand in this going forward. And I think that. I think that if nothing else, Indiana kind of gave itself a foothold back into its season. I don't think Indiana was perfect by any means, um, but I do think that that Indiana, it's fair for Indiana to come out of that game feeling good enough and saying, hey, there's things here to build on after a couple really rough early season performances. Zach, you wrote in your story that this is a game, a trap game as we called it, heading into Saturday, knowing that Western Kentucky has a quality football club. Uh, A trap game for Indiana, one that Indiana of old used to schedule uh, to beef up the schedule, to keep things close, to save money perhaps at one time. But I'm not sure that we'll see games like this where Indiana goes to a smaller school, a competitive program like Western Kentucky, as we've seen in the past. Yeah, so a lot of this kind of dates back to Frank Glass's attempts to, you know, starting in about 2010 when he hired Kevin Wilson, uh, beef up Indiana scheduling, you know, and, and it, it's that's certainly at the Power 5 level. I mean, you think about we've seen Indiana play Missouri uh, in the recent past. I know Cincinnati's not technically Power 5, although they will be soon, but that's certainly the, you know, the spirit behind that series, Wake Forest. In recent years, Indiana's got a series upcoming with Louisville. Some of this is also worth saying, too, was sort of an emphasis handed down from the conference. You know, when the Big Ten put some restrictions on how often you could schedule one AA opponents, or FCS, I guess. One of these days I'll stop saying one AA. I hope not. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it, it, it basically the conference also suggesting, hey, we kind of need to be more aggressive about scheduling to for all boats to rise in the playoff era. Um, and that was, I think, at a time when Indiana was trying to be creative about giving itself some some tougher non-conference tests while not, you know, also necessarily scheduling, you know, Notre Dame and Missouri and Kentucky every year and leaving itself with incredibly difficult schedules. And then the other thing we're saying is Indiana was increasingly financially well-off in this period in time, but it wasn't where it is now. I mean, you know, it, this contract was signed in 2015, and the previous year Indiana reported a, a little under $85 million in annual revenues, and it's also worth pointing out this is kind of in the middle of Fred Glass's big facilities push. A lot of facilities needed updated at the time on Indiana's campus, and, you know, Fred was kind of basically wedged right into the middle of that process. Um the reality is 
four years later, or five years later, excuse me, Indiana was reporting an increase of more than $40 million in athletics revenues. And so my point is basically there were competitive reasons behind these schedules, these games being scheduled. You know, Indiana also did a home and home and home with uh, Bowling Green. It's done a couple of them with FIU, Florida International. Um, and it saves a few hundred thousand dollars. You know, I, I think it probably saves half a million or more. Um, that was probably necessary then, you know, from, from a competitive perspective, it was appealing from a financial perspective. It was probably necessary to say, we'll play one game at your place for two games at our place. And you'll knock a little bit off of what would be your normal asking price for just a flat guarantee game. You're coming to our place. We're going to beat you up and you're going to take a check and go home. Um, and I just think, I just think Indiana's graduated beyond that. I think, I think these games, these games served a purpose then, and I don't think Indiana was wrong to schedule them when they did, but I think it's, it's time to put them in the past. And by and large, if you look at kind of Indiana's future schedule, um, I don't think there's a, a road game other than a trip to UConn in 2026, again, to fulfill a contract that was signed some years ago, and who knows where UConn football will be in 2026. It's a separate story. But – other than that, there's, there's really not a road, another road game like this. Um, but on the other hand, Indiana goes to Cincinnati next year. They've got a series starting with Louisville very soon. They've got a series with Notre Dame scheduled for, I think, the beginning of the next decade. God help me if I'm still talking about IU football in 2031, but we are where we are at this point. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised with the, the sort of advent of the alliance to see Indiana adding more Power 5-type games uh, through through that avenue as well. So I'm not saying Indiana will should never or will never go on the road to a MAC opponent again or a Conference USA opponent again. You can't say that'll never happen. But as a scheduling philosophy, I don't think it will stick around. I don't think it will be as pervasive as it was from maybe 2010 to 2015 or so. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, getting back to the Western Kentucky victory for IU on Saturday. Michael Penix, I thought, was much better. 35 of 53, his completions, 35 of his 53 passes, total of 373 yards, and he rushed for a touchdown as well. Of course, a 33-31 narrow escape for Indiana on Saturday night. But I thought one of the bright spots from the game was obviously Indiana won. That's first and foremost in a difficult road game against a quality opponent. But Michael Penix was much more himself much more what we remembered a year ago than what he has been I thought so far this season and I think I think you're right I mean I think you're absolutely right I think the other thing you'd say too is you know absent maybe a couple touchdown passes and again you can have a conversation about being able to finish drives and and I think that's totally fair Um, on the other hand I think it's also fair for Tom Allen to point out Indiana attempted four field goals made all four needed all four if you miss any one of those four, you don't win the game. Um, but absent maybe, you know, punching into the end zone a couple more times, there wasn't really anything about Michael Penix's statistical performance that masked anything that wouldn't have shown up in the box score. And what I mean is it wasn't, you know, we, we've seen him throw some really bad interceptions, different kinds of interceptions through the first three weeks. He didn't have any moments like that where you thought, ooh, he got away with that. He didn't, you know, a few and far between were really the moments when you felt like you saw the Michael Penix who was, you know, incredibly sort of 
agitated in the pocket, unsettled, uncomfortable. He, he did not – even as Western Kentucky kind of turned up the pressure on him as the game went on, he just kind of kept making plays. He kept making throws. I thought he made some really good checkdowns. You know, I, I don't know if we'll ever find this out, you know, completely and for sure, but, like, Indiana had some really clever third-down runs, I thought, on Saturday, and I would be fascinated to know what the mix was of basically Nick Sheridan calling those and maybe – or maybe giving Michael Penix a, a you know a run pass option at the line and Penix deciding on the run. I'm thinking in particular of I think a third and seven or a third and eight, where I don't know if Indiana checked into it or it was the play call all along. But Western Kentucky showed a heavy blitz and Indiana called a draw play and Stephen Carr got something like 20 22 yards on it. And so it wasn't just the statistical performance, although the statistical performance was very very good, obviously. It was also that you wouldn't look at those numbers and say, well, but they don't tell the whole story because there was still this concern or this concern or this concern, other than not being able to finish a couple of those drives. And, yes, you'd like to see Indiana finish a couple of those drives, but, number one, they did still score 33 points on the road and put up, I think, about 500-plus yards of offense. I don't know if the number's right in front of me. You'd take that most of the time, even against the Western Kentucky. And, number two, I don't think anybody would have, you know, and no one should have expected to come out of this game thinking Indiana was the finished article anyway. There still needs to be room to improve, and there still clearly is. It wasn't just that Pennick looked good on, on the stat sheet. It was that those numbers told a very sort of true story about the degree to which he looked like the old Michael Pennix. You know, I think I saw Jerry DiNardo talking on a clip uh, late Saturday night waiting for Dustin to file where DiNardo just said Michael Penix is back. And obviously that only lasts as long as next week to some degree. But I think one of the things that intangibly this team probably needed to see was Penix play well in this game and just feel like, okay, we can, you know, that that player is still in there. That quarterback is still in there. The quarterback that we think is going to change so much of our fortune this year is still in there. And that, you know, we can kind of go forward from there. I think, um, I just think that, To me, and I'm going to say this for the fourth time, forgive me, I'm kind of rambling and repeating myself, it's not just that his numbers looked good, it's that the numbers very much backed up what you saw with your own eyes, which was something much more resembling vintage Michael Penix. Zach, one thing I've got to bring up from Saturday's, IU kicked a lot of field goals. If you look at their efficiency in the red zone, because of good kicking, it, it looks pretty good on a stat sheet, but... Uh, the fact of the matter is, it appears to me Indiana struggles to finish drives and uh, complete uh, in when they're in that red zone area of the field. What, what's up with that? And I did think the offense was better and maybe their best game of the season so far for IU football, but really struggling to finish and score touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, we can go through all the cliches, and, and most of them are, are true, to be fair. You know, just the, the coaches like to talk about how play calling changes the closer you get to the end zone, defense changes when all of a sudden maybe they don't cover quite so much of the field. They can use the goal line as a bit of a, a bit of a barrier for them and they can keep more in front of them. It's clear Indiana's got to get better, you know, maybe, maybe 30 yards and in. And, uh, you know, it, it's not like this is a new problem. I mean, in, Indiana had three turnovers in the red zone or, or kind of in the scoring zone anyway against Cincinnati. They had the fumble, the interception, and the turnover on downs. Um, so it's, it's not like this is new and, and you probably can kind of maybe trace 
some of the same root causes and just say, well, against you know, Western Kentucky isn't as good as Cincinnati, so Indiana was at least able to finish those drives off with field goals instead of turnovers. On the other hand, um, I mean, number one, it should go without saying, it's always good when you've got a, a field goal kicker that you can trust to knock in four in one game. That That is that is not a, a piece of your team to be sniffed at. That's that's very useful and very reliable and kind of another, just another area where you feel like you can, you can count on um, Charles Campbell. But number two, again, I don't think Indiana, anyone, anyone would have expected Indiana to come out of this game, the finished article. And I think one of the things, if you want to put a positive spin on, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but um, I think if I'm, if I'm sitting in Tom Allen's chair anyway, let's, let's put it that way. And I'm looking at, at this performance. I'm saying, listen, we've clearly got to get better in red zone situations. This clearly, you know, this clearly wasn't good enough, and it's not something that we can count on to to endure once we get into the teeth of Big Ten play. But on the other hand, um, one of the things that I think we could see, and certainly one of the things you got the feeling Indiana's coaches were, felt they were seeing in two of the in the first two losses of the season was a team that was pressing and a team that was trying too hard to make plays, a team that was, you know, frankly, just basically putting too much pressure on itself and making mistakes because of it. And one of the biggest ways that one of the biggest spots in the field where that can be a danger is the red zone. I mean, again, we saw it against Cincinnati with the three turnovers down there. Um, I think that, it should if I'm Tom Allen, I'm I'm sitting there and feeling at least encouraged that while the drive stalled out, everybody kept their heads and everybody said three points is better than none. We're not, you know, Michael Penix being an obvious example. I'm not going to start trying to force throws that aren't there. I'm not going to start trying to fit things into windows that aren't open. I'm just going to trust my kicker, trust my offense, trust my defense, and and just sort of, you know, it. it it felt like a kind of pervasive theme Saturday that Indiana learned to trust itself again a little bit, that whatever sort of, you know, panicky kind of like, Oh God, what's happening? You know, how are we losing so big to Iowa or, you know, Oh God, this, this game against Cincinnati is slipping away from us. That, that kind of thing. It felt like Indiana really let go of a lot of that Saturday and, and found sort of a renewed sense of trust in itself, teammate to teammate. And while you need to finish some of those drives and in big 10 play, you're going to need to finish some of those scoring opportunities when you create them. On the other hand, I think if you're Indiana, you can look at those and say, this is a good start because we still got points out of every one of these. We needed points out of every one of them. Again, any one of those field goals for whatever reason gets wiped off the board, Indiana doesn't win the game. And when the frustration was there, Indiana didn't succumb to it and start pressing and making mistakes and they get rewarded with a big touchdown late as well. That ultimately kind of ends up being the score that seals the game. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star Zach, huge week for all things IU basketball and football. We've got IU basketball media day later this afternoon. We'll hear from coach Woodson and really expect to hear from most of the roster today. Of course, later in the week on Saturday, it's a doubleheader of sorts, Hoosier Hysteria. 
the first time that fans will be around this Indiana team in Assembly Hall since the pandemic. And also, after that, IU at Penn State in football, huge challenge for Tom Allen's crew. So what a week. Uh, plenty of things to cover. Plenty of things we'll be talking about as the week moves on. Yep. I mean, basketball is here. Uh, not that it ever felt like it quite went away with the Bahamas strip and all that, but um, it is very much kind of launching into it this week. And, and as you said, I mean, football from here on out, it's, it's Big Ten games are bust. They've got the bye after Penn State, which I think will help. Um, but, you know, it just, it's, uh, <laughs> it really is just kind of, I think, going to, accelerate at a certain pace here it, it always feels like it sneaks up on you and then all of a sudden it just it just rams up to 100 miles an hour and I think you know from basketball's perspective uh, it's going to be interesting to be able to sort of chart the progress of this team from uh, the Bahamas on through to, to where we see them kind of Hoosier hysteria and then we won't see them again until the regular season because they won't have any public exhibitions um, from football's perspective, I mean, it, it really does get going here. You're kind of in a position where you got the bye week here after Penn State. You need a two and two split of these next four games. You're at Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State at home, and at Maryland. You can go two and two in these next four. You know, you, you're, I think you're, you're well positioned to, to finish with a, a relatively easier schedule. Not, not that it's easy, but a relatively easier schedule than what you've had to deal with so far. But Indiana's going to have to navigate October with some toughness because there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges coming. Yeah, most definitely. Zach Osterman. Zach, before we let you go, are you at Hoosier Hysteria on Saturday afternoon? Are you in Happy Valley uh, for the IU Penn State football game on Saturday night? Uh, we're splitting it up. I'll, I'll be at Hoosier Hysteria. Gotcha, gotcha. Ten four. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. He's a great guest to kickstart our week from an IU perspective on Mondays. Zach, thanks for the chat. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And let's keep it right with IU football for just a moment. Tom Allen is on the podium now, or was just moments ago in Bloomington. And a little bit of breaking news. This is not terribly surprising, but DJ Matthews, who went down in the first quarter, I believe, when he was trying to field a punt in the game, uh, the Western Kentucky game on Saturday, Coach Allen says he has a torn ACL and is out for the season. Very unfortunate news for D.J. Matthews and obviously the IU football team as well. Matthews, obviously the transfer in from Florida State out of the transfer portal in the offseason, definitely a big loss for the Hoosiers. Coach Allen did say during the presser today he could be eligible for a medical redshirt, so there's a chance we see uh, D.J. back again next season. I think that's the second ACL uh, tear and season-ending ACL injury of the season. Cornerback uh, Christopher Keys uh, had a knee injury, ACL injury, a little earlier season, uh, earlier in the season as well. Let's go to the Thornton's text line. Our first texter is Cecil. He says, "Great show. Keep up the good work." We've had a couple other texts as well. One texter says, "Good win. Uh, great. Thanks for sending them in. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. Expand on your thoughts and give us." questions for our guest. I'll work them in the program. And speaking of guests, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown High School Athletic Director, former coach at Jeff. He's also an IHSA Executive Board member. He's with me in the next segment. We're going to talk local sports, high school football, uh, plenty of stuff to get to. We'll talk more about Josh Rogers pitching in Cincinnati yesterday in front of a big crowd of locals that made the trip over and much more. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Welcome back. Don't forget, today we launched the Thornton's text line here on our program. You can text us at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. Download Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Chad Gilbert, my guest on Mondays to talk local sports. Chad's the AD at Charlestown, former coach at Jeff and also an IHSA executive board member. Chad, we've got local sports football primarily to talk about from Friday night, some great games, specifically the Jeff Silver Creek game. And also, I'll start with this, a new name for Banker's Life Fieldhouse, Gainbridge Fieldhouse, the Pacers unveiled a little earlier this morning. Uh, All the IHSA state championships, specifically boys and girls basketball, that take place in that building. I've broadcasted from that facility a number of times with some big state championship games here on the Big X. Going to take a while for Gainbridge to sink in. It took a while for Banker's Life to uh, to become the official name in my mind. Matt, money talks. Real simple, money talks. That's how. Uh, that's the way of the world right now. And the trivia question. It took me a while when you said Banker's Life. What was the name of it before Banker's Life? Uh, Canseco. Very good. Okay. Very good. I didn't know if I didn't know if you'd ran across that one earlier in the show or not, but it took me a while to, for my recall to get that one. You, on the other hand, quick recall and pulled it right up. <laughs> but no, that's how, that's how it is. You know, in, in today's world, you see more and more of that happen. And at some point, you can mark this down. You'll see it on venues as well at high schools. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of venues are named after people who um, left their mark on the programs or the schools. I think you'll see those kind of, I'm not going to say go away, but fade, not not fade out, but not take a back seat, but be underscored a little bit to someone who comes in and says, hey, you don't want naming rights on that field. Yeah, no, I I agree with you totally. We're headed to a world where everything has – a sponsorship attached to it in high school sports. uh, I don't want to say going to become more cluttered with sponsorships, but uh, we're beginning to see that now as some schools redo their facilities or redo their gymnasium floor, local businesses stepping up. But to be honest, to, to keep high school sports at the forefront and to keep fees down, a lot of schools now have user fees for sports and things of that nature. I think you're going to see more and more uh, naming rights and sponsorships enter the high school sports world. It's still, especially in Indiana, where it's still so important, and you really get a bang for your buck around some of these sponsorship opportunities that are out there or could be out there in this changing world down the line just a bit. And there's a big difference between naming rights and sponsorship. Uh, you know, when you're going naming rights, you're going a whole lot more money for a longer period of time than what you're on sponsorship. You know, two courts come to mind. With sponsorships on them, Silver Creek has a couple, and North Harrison has a couple. Not sure what the terms of that contract are with both of those, but to get on our court, uh, it will be pretty hefty. You know, to be named after the gym, it'll be pretty hefty. And, I, and I'm glad you're offering to step up and, and put the uh, Hoosier Hills brand name on it. Or the 
I was the told Magnuson, I was the told, Magnuson logo. I was told that your court's unavailable. You've reserved those naming rights for yourself, the Chad Gilbert <laughs> basketball court. Money talks, Matt. Money talks. <laughs> Chad, got to talk high school football from over the weekend. Uh, I had a couple people get on me. They said, Matt, you say this too often. I'm excited about these local rivalry football games. We, this year we saw Floyd Central and Silver Creek. Uh, be added to both teams' schedules, and then the second game, the big addition for Silver Creek was Silver Creek Jeff. And I said I was thrilled for the game. I didn't know that it would be as good a game as it was Friday night, but for the future, I think it can become just a tremendous rivalry between two great athletic schools in our area. And boy, was I wrong. It was a great game right out of the gate. In fact, the Red Devils actually won, which was a big surprise I think to me and a lot of people, very exciting, probably by far maybe the game of the night, maybe the game of the season that we've had so far with our area teams. But Jeff gets a big win, and a new rivalry football game is born. Well, you know, it's unless we're there, it's hard to see what happened. I would have bet going in. Uh, I got an opportunity to catch a little bit of Jeff and Floyd Central on the week before, and I knew that Silver Creek had beaten Floyd Central, so I figured, you know, just – what I saw comparatively, and I've seen Silver Creek play us. I thought Silver Creek would have the upper hand. So I'm curious how that game went on. If ever, you know, when you have big games like that, and when you have evenly matched teams, um, turnovers kill you. So I'd be curious to see if Silver Creek had some costly turnovers. If the Red Devils took advantage of that, you you see that. Mostly when there's a lot of parity between teams, that you know that's that's what costs and win games for people. When it's when you're overmatched, it doesn't matter. But it's one of those deals that the the farther you go, the teams that are equal to you or better, you got to take care of the ball. It's like in basketball, you can't turn the ball over. You got to take care of the things. You cannot beat yourself. And I'm curious, just on that on that game, how that went. If that was something that came to it, or if Jeff just flat out played them. I'd be curious to see the film or maybe get a uh, viewpoint from someone who was there to see what happened on that. Chad Gilbert, my guest, talking local sports on Mondays. Chad, one of the things that uh, was so cool yesterday, Josh Rogers getting the chance to pitch for the Washington Nationals, and it just so worked out. What is it, a six- or seven-day rotation normally for starting pitchers in the MLB? It just so worked out that his next start was yesterday Uh, as the Nationals came to Cincinnati, which is about an hour and a half from New Albany, Josh's hometown, where he played his high school baseball and basketball. Some people forget that. Josh uh, played his freshman year. I don't know if it was freshman or JV. And then he came back his senior year, and you can probably speak on that. I think you were coaching at the time and had quite the three-point shot. It was a three-point threat for New Albany. But how neat is it to see him not just reach the MLB again, and battle through Tommy John surgery again, but to get the opportunity to pitch so close to home. And as you would know, our area, it wouldn't have mattered if it was Josh Rogers, Drew Ellis, Rondell Moore, Romeo Langford. When those guys come within an hour and a half, two-hour radius, uh, there's going to be a lot of fans there with shirts on, screaming, yelling, uh, going against the, the home team fans, probably getting booed a little bit. But a great environment, it sounds like, yesterday for the th- crowd of the, the newspaper. The Washington Post said, 300 plus people from uh, in Josh's fan club yesterday. And I don't doubt that a bit. Like we've talked about in other shows, I don't know that man, but I wish I did because he he just seems like someone who's very, very special, very genuine. You know, someone that, uh, you know, is involved, 
who, who cares not only about, you know, he's got a career he's worried about, but it seems like he always has a time to give something back, whether it's to his family, whether it's to his friends, whether it's to New Albany High School. You know, when BJ did his uh, fundraiser over there, you know, they had some game cleats worn by him. You know, they had a jersey worn by him, baseball. You know, there's a lot of different cool stuff that he has done to give back. And that's something, you know, that that shows a lot about a person's character and what they're about. And with him, you know, when we played him, I can remember him coming out of the starting lineups and doing the discount. Uh, double check, you know, on it. the old Aaron Rodgers State Farm Insurance when they, when they announced him to the lineup, and I was like, this dude better not get a shot off, and because you know he, he just that's how he carried himself. Though you know he he had that edge to him. And now going back to the basketball on that one, he'd stand in the corner if you let him go. I mean, he he was one of those guys. If if you know anything, if you watch any basketball, left-handers either have an awkward shot or a real good-looking shot. And he's one of those kids that had a great-looking shot. That When it left his hands, if it missed, you wondered how it missed. So you could not leave, give him an inch in the three-point line. And, that, and our, our kids stuck to that scout pretty well. But you knew he was a competitor. And to see what he's done, you know, bouncing back off a of surgery like that, that, that's, you know, nothing short of remarkable. And, and digging his way all the way up, I mean, that's something that uh, I would guess – that pride comes into play with these guys. You know, you, you talked about the Drew Ellis, you talked about the Ron Delmore, you talked about the Romeo Lankford. If you don't think every one of those guys are not watching each other, and they're in their mind, they're thinking, you know, I, he did this, I could outperform that. He did this, I could outperform that. They're trying to catch up with each other, and that's how, that's how you compete. Those guys have gotten where they are by one, God-given gifts; two, by tremendous drive; and three, by competitiveness. Those guys are watching each other, and they're wanting to. Make sure that they're on the top of the heap. You factor that in with a little pride of wanting to do well for you, your family, your community. Something pretty special. So excited for him, excited for his family, uh, excited for the Southern Indiana community. That's something that everybody should be proud of. You know, real quick, Chad, both uh, Josh Rogers and Drew Ellis, who, of course, Drew got a nice little stint with the uh, Diamondbacks this season and has been on a tear in AAA ball since he went down. Uh, we'll see what happens with him the rest of the way and with spring training next year. But both of those guys uh, were basketball players, and both of them were three-point specialists. You know, I, like I said, I don't know Josh very well, but I can speak on Drew for two days. You want to talk about a competitor, a winner, someone who sacrificed himself for the team. You know, Drew was starter as a sophomore. If you remember, Daryl Baker went to Southport and came back. You know, it took Daryl four or five games to get in the lineup, and Daryl was going to have to work his way back in. And uh, Drew came in one day, said, Coach, he said, put Daryl in in my spot. And, you know, and he, he took his spot, and the rest is history. From there, Drew started as a junior and senior, had an outstanding career. But uh, Drew could have been a Division One basketball player by his athletic ability, his way he could shoot the ball. I mean, Drew could dunk the ball any way you wanted to dunk it. And just a great teammate. You know, I, again, I could go on and on for Drew Ellis for days, but, you know, that's just something. If you had a son, you'd want him to be like Drew Ellis. Yep, no question. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, always fun. Thanks for the chat on Monday. We'll catch you next week. Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. Thank you very much. And that's going to wrap up this Monday program. Uh, thanks to all of you for being with us today. Check out the podcast if you miss us live. 
Just search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. couple reminders this afternoon, IU Men's Basketball Media Day. We'll hear from Coach Woodson and all of the players, and we'll have audio from that. We'll break everything down on tomorrow's program. Going to be heavy IU basketball Tuesday here on the show. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>